Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A bigger hotel, a marina, a dock, and an observation tower. That sounds like a tourist attraction even without the casino. So if what we're trying to do is provide an economic boost frankly, to an area in the South Loop that needs it more than the North Side, that would do it. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guests this week are two city council members preparing for an uphill battle against Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Downtown Alderpersons Brendan Riley of the 42nd Ward and Brian Hopkins of the 2nd Ward. Thank you both for joining us. Brian, you were a little bit late because of a shooting on your block. Yeah, it just uh, happened to occur in the neighborhood that I live in. Um, So it just highlights the fact that there's no such thing as a safe neighborhood in Chicago. Crime happens everywhere at any time, potentially. But this was a particularly disturbing incident. It happened at... uh, Three o'clock in the morning, a person just minding his own business, walking down the street when uh, two offenders in a vehicle decided to pull over and rob him at gunpoint. And uh, he didn't want to give up his backpack. So he resisted and uh, they shot him three times. Oh, my God. And how is he? He is uh, in critical condition at Illinois Masonic. Uh, He just came out of surgery. uh, And I I understand the uh, uh, doctors were able to remove the bullet that hit him in the head. So. I uh, don't know what the prognosis is, but uh, we're, we're all praying for this victim to make it through. We still don't know who he is uh, because his identifying um, material was in the backpack, which was stolen. Uh, so right now he's unidentified. And the message to the rest of us is what? Don't walk down the street at 3 a.m. no matter what neighborhood or what is the well, message? It, it, there is evidence to suggest these two offenders had been driving around the north side looking for victims. This was not the first robbery they committed last night. Um, so it, it does uh, it does make everyone feel unsafe um, when you know that that can happen at any time. You know, they, we always like to give the advice, be aware of your surroundings. Right. Well, that advice doesn't really do you any good uh, when you're just walking down the street and someone jumps out of a car with a gun. Both of you are opposed not just to the mayor's choice of Valley's River West bid to build a $1.7 billion casino and entertainment complex in River West, but also to the way the mayor made this choice. Alderman Riley, why don't you start by talking about your objections to the process? Yeah, I have many objections to the process. You know, uh, the people of Chicago were promised an open and transparent deliberative process. A special casino committee was set up on the city council, uh, populated with committee chairman and vice chairman. 
Uh, and the expectation was that we would carefully vet each of the three proposals, top to bottom, and determine which of those, if any, are a good deal for Chicago taxpayers. And unfortunately, um, this process uh, has been given, uh, I think, a leg up to one of the applicants, Bally's, um, through excusing certain application fees that their competitors had to pay, allowing them to amend their, their submission, their bid to the city after it was submitted. Um, those are extraordinary steps the administration took for one applicant. And that's a real issue for me. Um, but more importantly, this is the bottom line. Um, there will be a Chicago casino. That casino will be built with union labor. That casino will be operated with union labor and the revenues are gonna go to pensions. That's not an issue. And this is a false choice being set up by the administration. That's either we're gonna get a casino or not. And that's not what we're talking about here. What we are talking about here is, is this the right location for the city? And will it get us the maximum benefit for the taxpayer? I argue no, so does my colleague Alderman Hopkins and a number of our colleagues do. Um, but this process has now been thrown out the window. The mayor made her selection yesterday. This committee was impaneled to do that, that work. Uh, we met for two hours asked a lot of really smart questions, received no answers during the committee, and then received written answers to those questions yesterday. So that, I think, shows the process was designed to engineer a specific outcome, Bally's, um, and, and here we are. Um, so it's very frustrating. I, I do not have a preferred pick. Um, I thought all three of the locations brought to the city council were subpar, um, and I'm agnostic on who operates the thing. Uh, but we got to put it in the right place. And it's got to be a good deal for Chicago. Before the Sun-Times broke the story on Tuesday that the decision had been made, I texted you, Brendan, and you accused me of posing three <laughs> hypotheticals, a record even for me. But it wasn't it wasn't hypothetical. Why didn't you believe me? What surprised well, you so well, much about this? Uh, well, I wasn't surprised, Fran, but I don't like responding to hypothetical questions. <laughs> at that point in time, at that point in time, a decision had not been made. And I was hoping and my heart of hearts that the mayor would realize this is not the choice to make and that she should allow the city council to do the work that she impaneled us to do and let the process play out. But um, that didn't happen. You were correct. Your, your questions were um, well-founded and I answered them. Yeah. Um, I, I but... do you want to apologize to me. I'll, I'll accept. <laughs> sure. I'll apologize. <laughs> Fran, but I'm still I'm never joking. Gonna answer a hypothetical from you. But, I'm joking. Yeah. But yeah, you, 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 you nailed it. And you know, this was the worst kept secret in town for weeks. People have been predicting this would happen because the process seems so tilted in their favor. Yeah. Brian, what are your thoughts about the process the casino committee that had only one two-hour meeting earlier this week when asked about our story, Lightfoot denied that the decision had been made. She said her evaluation committee hadn't even forwarded this recommendation to her. Asked about that on Thursday, she said she was telling the truth that the evaluation committee is an internal panel that makes procurement decisions and that that's different than the casino committee. Was she being disingenuous? What do you think? Well, she was. The CEO of Bally's had already purchased his plane ticket and was packing his bag for Chicago as she was standing there denying that the decision had already been made. So that was simply untrue. Uh, and I don't know why she would say that, because uh, just a couple of days later, it's 100 percent clear that that was a false statement to say. And that's characteristic of this entire process. Alderman Riley is correct in, in his description of it. This entire process has been basically a, a sham. 
Uh, it's designed to uh, give the mayor political cover so she can say she had an open process. This is the opposite of that. Um, and, and we all know this. And, and I had a process of my own because frankly, I was surprised to find myself on this special committee. Um, and, and I thought, well, okay, I'm gonna do my job. I'm going to evaluate these proposals with a fair and objective mind to start with. Uh, and I'm gonna try to make the decision that's best for the people of Chicago. That's what I thought my job was. And I did that. Um, unlike uh, Alderman Riley, who I understand, um, you know, he hasn't come to a conclusion yet. Um, he's still reviewing. I did. I came to a conclusion, but it was only after I did my due diligence. I read all the material, pages upon pages of it, uh, and, and came to a conclusion that the 78s proposal was the best for the city. Well, and why is that? I, I why is that? Tell that us. Too. Tell us sure. why okay. you believe that. I'd be happy to for two reasons. First of all, uh, it solves the traffic problem that would be created by the Bally site on Halsted in Chicago. There's plenty of space for the 78 to accommodate the additional cars, uh, to design the ingress and egress and the traffic flow patterns. They have, they have open land over there. They have a lot of uh, access points. You can come off Roosevelt, you can come off Clark, you can come off Wells. There's all sorts of things you can do there that would minimize the traffic impact on the surrounding area. That is impossible for the Bally site. You really can't solve that problem with engineering just because of the, the place that it happens to be wedged between the river and the railroad tracks and, uh, and the elevated structure that forms that intersection at Chicago and Halsted. So that problem is solved. Aside from that though, the Rivers proposal has so much more to offer than just a casino, more restaurants, more attractions, uh, the concert venue, which you know, Bally's is talking about as well, a bigger hotel, a marina, a dock, and an observation tower. That sounds like a tourist attraction, even without the casino. So if what we're trying to do is provide an economic boost frankly, to an area in the South Loop that needs it more than the North Side, that would do it. That would bring more jobs, more revenue, more income, uh, and it would have a cascading effect on the surrounding area that definitely needs investment more than the North Side. So all of those reasons are compelling reasons. Add in to that the fact that the 78's development team is a highly experienced team. The, the developers are experienced. The gaming side of it, obviously, with you know rivers operating in displays, is a familiar entity to this area. They know the market. They know what they're doing. That stands in contrast to the Bally's team, who has no experience whatsoever. And this is not a beginner project. It shouldn't be. Um, I, I just don't know why you would trust someone that has no experience with a $2 billion project for their first one. It doesn't make sense. Brendan, how about you? You don't favor the 78. You're agnostic about where it goes. Why are you so dead set against River West and Bally's? Well, for all the reasons Alderman Hopkins just listed, the infrastructure there can't support it. If you look at traffic patterns on Chicago Avenue today, and we're still at pandemic level commuting, um, three hours, two, three hours before evening rush hour, Chicago Avenue's already backed up seven blocks across the river to Halstead. So um, I can tell you, I, living on Chicago Avenue, I'm quite familiar with the traffic patterns and the suggestion that a casino is going to solve them 
by adding 3,000 parking spaces and being a 24-7 operation is laughable. And like Alderman Hopkins, I spend a lot of time negotiating big, complex plan developments, and all of them are supported with traffic studies. I read those traffic studies cover to cover, and I mark them up. And I know the folks that prepared this study, and I also know that traffic consultants, when they're hired, they're hired to come to a conclusion. And the conclusion is always, this project won't mess things up. That's what they're paid to do. They're paid to massage data to tell a story that their client wants told. I can tell you, no one who lives in this area is buying the argument this casino is not going to snarl traffic. It's too far from an expressway ramp. It's not easily accessible. And it's surrounded by residential neighborhood. And the proposal, even at one point, and it may still because it keeps changing, uh, proposed adding a sky bridge from the casino to literally the opening gate of the children's playground at Montgomery Ward Park in River North. I mean, this shows you this operator has no familiarity with the context of this neighborhood and the current realities on the ground here today. And so I am very skeptical of this operator and their plan. Um, as you mentioned, I, I do not have a preferred site. Frankly, I think the administration did the city council a real disservice by only giving us three flawed sites to choose from. Among the three, infrastructure-wise, the 78 probably makes the most sense. I think they missed an opportunity by chucking the, uh, the McCormick Place proposal. Everyone I've spoken to said that made the most sense. In Lakeside Center? Parks, Lakeside Center, you mean? Yeah, yeah. The, even Friends of the Parks, who are anti-development on the lakefront, supported that proposal. I mean, come on. So I, I think that we were given these, these, these choices because the mayor had already decided how she was going to do this. The mayor made this announcement at the regional headquarters of the Carpenters Union for a reason. It was a show of force from organized labor, which she hopes will help her muscle this through the council. How are you both going to beat that? Fran, I mean, the bottom line is, like I said earlier, this is going to, no matter where the casino is built and who operates it, the city council's basic expectation, one of the few things we were able to uh, elaborate on at the only hearing we had at City Hall about this was our demand that this be built with building trades, union labor, that it be operated with Unite Here Union hotel and resort workers. And that has been met. So no matter what, this is not a choice, you know, either you're for labor or you're against it. We all expect the casino will be union. The question here is, is this the right casino and the right location? So I understand why labor wants this. It's got a lot of jobs on the line and I want them to get them. I think Alderman Hopkins does too. But the difference is, is this the right site? Is this gonna do the best for the Chicago taxpayer? And since we've had no open meetings about this, but one, um, a lot of folks haven't determined whether this is a good deal or not. Most of this negotiating has happened outside the light of day, behind closed doors and without the city council involved. The mayor framed this as a choice between valleys and a post-election property tax increase. You both call that a false choice. And oh, by the way, there will be a post-election property tax increase in any event and a sizable one because of the automatic trigger the mayor pushed through tying annual increases to the rate of inflation. So what about that choice that she poses, Brian? Yeah, it is exactly a false choice. Uh, and it's disingenuous to hear her, uh, you know, objecting to property tax increases when she pushed forward that objectionable proposal to have an automatic annual property tax increase in perpetuity forever. I mean, come on, really? 
you know, uh, there was a, a strong pushback in, in my ward and also in Alderman Riley's ward uh, of such a proposal. So if she really is against property taxes, then I'd like to see her repeal that provision that creates an automatic annual increase every year. And I, and I remember, Fran, when we were debating that property tax increase in committee, asking very pointed questions of the budget office. Well, what do we think is a reasonable range for inflation over the next 10 years? We were giving, given incredibly no, low numbers. Right now we're hovering around 8%. Mm-hmm. So, hey, the administration made that choice. But as far as this being about either approve the casino or we're going to have to raise taxes, that didn't seem to be the attitude a couple of weeks ago. When we're giving away free gas money in an election year. Found twelve and a half million for that purpose. Uh, we're sending, what, 30 million out the door for guaranteed basic income. Um, so the bottom line is if we have to wait a year to get this right, have to wait one year for revenue to get this thing right, we can find ways to make up for that for a year. So I think that is also a bunch of baloney. And when you play the property tax card like that, it highlights the weakness of this argument supporting the Bally's decision. Uh, You know, you're really stretching it when you play the property tax card like that. Um, You know, it it just shows that the proposal itself is weak and and, and lacks a convincing argument for it on its own merits. So you've got to talk about property taxes to try and gin up support for it. Um, It just highlights the flaws in the decision. Well, she says she made this decision because Bally's offered 40 million up front plus 4 million a year that they were the only one of the three finalists to nail down a labor peace agreement guaranteeing to pay employees a living wage, that they offered 60% minority hiring, that they canceled the controversial callback option to buy out minority investors after six years, and that they added an innovative crowdfunding feature that will allow everyday Chicagoans to invest in this casino. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. What, what about those arguments? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's, that's laughable. You know, all of the operators were working on uh, labor peace agreements because they heard loud and clear in the committee hearing last week, that is a basic expectation. You're going nowhere without one. So to, to say that, that Bally's prevailed because they created a labor peace agreement, that, that's not a, a good explanation for this, not one bit. So uh, that what about the 40 million and 4 million a year thing? Do we know what here's the problem, because all of this has been done under cover of darkness. We as council members, we don't know what the competing offers were during all this back and forth over the past week among these bidders. Only the administration does. So we don't know if they passed on a better deal or a more creative revenue agreement. We don't know that because we've been kept in the dark. One of the one of the easiest ways to corrupt a procurement process among limited competitors is to allow one competitor to change their bid based on the knowledge of what the other competitors are doing to basically put their thumb on the scale. And that seems to be what happened here. Uh, That's not right. That's not fair. And in many cases, it's not even legal to do that. Now, if it was a, you know, a competitive sealed bid. Obviously, you know, it would be a clear violation. That's not the case here. This is more of a negotiated response to, you know, a request for a proposal. But the concept remains the same. Once you submit your bid, to be able to change it based on insider assistance and help that the other bidders are not receiving is wrong and it's unfair. And that's clearly what happened in this case. 
Well, where is your proof that there is insider assistance and that it was bordering on illegal? And what is the motivation if that was true? Yeah, well, there's no proof. It's all circumstantial evidence. But if you just look at the totality of what happened here, where you have the least qualified company getting the most assistance, getting the $300,000 fee waiver that the others didn't have, and then the weak explanation for that, which really makes no sense at all, uh, especially since Rush Street Gaming was the single entity behind the other two proposals, even though they may have had some other partners involved in one that weren't in the other, to say that means they're two separate proposals and have to pay $600,000 when Bally's uh, only had to pay half of that for two proposals. It's just indefensible. And then to have the consultant that we were told was a neutral party in this, that they were providing advice, which is what you want a consultant to do. And now it turns out they have a relationship with Bally's that wasn't disclosed, worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Clearly, they were also doing what they were told to do to put a favorable spin on the Bally's proposal. Uh, Chicagoans know what this is. They can connect the dots. They know it when they see it. There is no proof, but the totality of the evidence adds up to a process that was uh, tilted by insiders to a predetermined conclusion. For what purpose, though? I mean, what is her motivation? Where's the connection? I guess time will tell. We'll have to see what happens as a result of this. But clearly, the Bally's team had more help than, than they were justified based on just the merits of their proposal and, and based on the experience of the company. They couldn't have gotten this far um, without some inside assistance. So what the motivations were for that, I guess we'll just have to see. Time will tell. Brandon, do you agree with that? I, I don't have quite the same view, but I can say the process uh, from an optics standpoint doesn't look good. So I don't have evidence of those things occurring. I'm not going to go there, but um, no matter how you cut this thing up, it sure doesn't look good. And whether it was intended or not, it casts a, a pall over the entire process and what, what little process there has been. So um, I think this is a, a rushed decision. Uh, it was not properly vetted publicly and openly as it was promised. And uh, I think Alderman Hopkins and I are not alone. There are other Aldermen who are very disappointed with this. So you think this was a stacked deck from the get-go? Do you think that there's a legal case to be made here that it was? Brian? You know, as I said, all the evidence is circumstantial. If I had proof, I would, I would reveal it right now. I don't. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, time will go on and, and more scrutiny, I'm sure, will, uh, will be brought to bear on this process. And as Alderman Riley said, we're not the only ones. Um, who are harboring some suspicions about what really may have happened. Uh, so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see where this goes. She's turned the tables on both of you and said you're doing the bidding of the losers who have sour grapes that they didn't get it. Yeah, well, you'd expect that kind of talking point. But the, the bottom line is I've made it very clear for weeks now. I don't care who wins the bid. This is not a good place to do this. We could do so much better than River North. We were given three faulty locations, I think, um, and the council should have been engaged a lot earlier in the process on helping guide the site selection process rather than it being foisted upon us in the 11th hour. That's my concern here. I'm not here doing the bidding of any one of the other bidders. Um, I, I really don't care who, who gets this. 
I want the best deal for the taxpayer. And I want to maximize the value of the investment. And doubling down on an already thriving neighborhood makes no sense to me. Putting this in a neighborhood that needs a little economic boost that's near downtown and can still draft off of all the tourism activity here, that seems like a smarter choice where you can create a lot of new jobs where they're needed, and that will spur further ancillary investment around that site. You're talking River about North, the 78. River, You're talking no, about no, I'm talking no, I'm saying look at McCormick Place again. Reopen the process. Well, but McPeer said no, don't touch it. We have events planned for there and so on, even though the Lakeside Center needs a lot of work, hundreds of millions of dollars in maintenance. Yeah, but probably not not 1.74 billion. And so you already- say run roughshod over McPeer? I mean, they should have just said, forget it, McPeer. My guess, Who cares? Is, if, my guess is if, if, if the conversation was pushed harder, the bidders would have found a way to make it right for McPeer. Uh, so you think the their way, opposition Valley, was orchestrated, too, at the I'm very not, time that they came in and said, no, no, no. I'm saying they missed a great opportunity there. Uh, they already have great bones of a building, with an incredible panoramic view of the lake near enough to the convention center where they could do well. But the Bally's proposal requires them to relocate the Tribune publishing plant. Uh, No small feat either. So this idea that, oh, it'd be too difficult. Well, moving Tribune's publishing plant is kind of difficult too. Um, But if the city had properly encouraged all of the different bidders to look at some of these sites differently, and if they had collaborated more with McPeer and the state to work out a better deal, those could still be in play. But I'm not, no, I'm not pushing for any one of the remaining sites. I'm saying we missed an opportunity with what was given to us. Yeah. And Medina and we, we Temple. We never got a satisfactory answer to the question of why we as a city didn't determine the ideal site and make that decision on our own and then invite the gaming industry to come in and tell and us what they would it. do with there. that real estate. Yeah. We could have done that. And, and that would have made a lot of sense. It would have you know, required a contentious debate, I'm sure. To narrow down the locations, we would have had to go through, you know, a similar exercise that we're going through now. But we could have done that and taken this entire question out of play, and then just allowed the competing entities to present their ideas for what they would do on that site, and it would sort of even the playing field a little bit more. It would have made this decision much easier. Brandon, you accused the mayor of pulling a last-minute bait and switch to the Medina Temple as the site for the temporary casino, and you don't like that site. Why not? Uh, anyone who's familiar with that area of River North would know exactly why. We, we have a liquor moratorium on those blocks today that was put in place with the support of the Chicago Police Department, mind you, um, because we have major liquor-related quality of life issues there right now, and we have a lot of criminal activity. We have an open-air drug market a block away. And I'll tell you, the cops downtown are spread thin. So the reason why we have a liquor moratorium is exactly why Medina Temple is not a great site for a casino. It's a super intense use. The downtown police districts are spread super thin, especially overnight. We've seen a major uptick in violent crime down here. And to add this on top of all that we're already dealing with, an under-resourced police department and calls for service off the charts, big mistake. And I drew that line in the sand many weeks ago and thought I was heard. And for a while, until just two days ago, the the temporary site was to be in Walter Burnett's ward on the Tribune site. So this was literally a a switcheroo within the course of 24 hours after I had made it very clear that would be a non-starter. So yes, that was a bait and switch. 
And you're saying it's a recipe for disaster. I mean, look what's going on downtown crime wise. Every night we had one last night that made Brian late for this show because of the shooting on his block. I mean, what 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 happens with the casino added to what we already see? Like I said, we're, we're already struggling with a major crime problem in this area of River North. And to layer this on top, 24-7 use, that intense, you're, you're giving the police department assignment they don't have the resources to handle. And so I think that's a real mistake. Brian, the mayor said she is more than confident she will have a good, solid majority, as she put it, for her choice. She said there'll be some no votes. That's how the world turns. But uh, she is absolutely confident that she will have the votes. Will she? So now we're celebrating a rubber stamp city council. I remember when that was a bad thing. I remember when good government groups and reformers used to line up and it was an annual report about how much of a rubber stamp city council we had. Uh, and now, now it's a good thing, right? So I, I can't help but notice the irony there. And yes, the mayor was uh, very confident as she talked about her ability to put this roll call together. Um, you know, as Alderman Riley mentioned, she just passed the, the gas card uh, vote. Was, it was pretty close, but she, she got that uh, despite the very opposition, uh, despite the controversy. Close. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I think you can uh, look at that uh, sort of glass half full, half empty. Yes, she won that roll call, but yes, it was very close. So um, that gives me uh, some hope that we can defeat this in the city council. Um, and I can tell you, based on the conversations I've had with my colleagues, and I've been on the phone for the past couple of days, um, even the ones that I know are inclined to support this and that are going to be, you know, ha having their arm twisted by the mayor, um, they're not happy about this at all. They, they are disgusted by the process. They feel disrespected. Um, that they were told to be on a special committee. And now it turns out that that was just absolutely a, a worthless charade of an exercise. They're not happy about that either. So we have something to work with too. As Alderman Riley and I are talking to our colleagues about this and explaining why we believe that this should be defeated when the time comes to vote on it, um, we'll see how it plays out. But I think the mayor uh, wanted to display some confidence um, just to send the message that it is a done deal um, and that uh, resistance is futile. Uh, I don't buy it. I think resistance is the right thing to do. Um, it, it wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be doing my job um, if I didn't stand up and, and call this out for what it is, which is a bad decision made under questionable circumstances. Brandon, do you think you have a shot? It'll be a lot of work, um, but I'm hoping that uh, our colleagues will keep an open mind and, and, and remember uh, that we were promised a specific process that is being taken away. And Alderman Hopkins is right. I've been talking to a lot of our colleagues, too, who serve on this committee, who are scratching their heads saying, well, what was this all about then? If they already had known what they were going to do, why did they bring us into this? Was it just for political cover? And that doesn't sit well with a lot of our colleagues either. Never mind the fact that during the only committee hearing we had on this, which lasted about two hours, hardly any of the substantive questions were answered on the record which means the public who was tuned in received none of that information. It was sent to us as aldermen in a memo through Chairman Tunney's office. And again, we just received that two days ago. 
The city is counting on this casino to generate $200 million a year to shore up police and fire pensions that are hovering dangerously close to insolvency. Will it do that or will this thing fall short? Will it will it not be the great business deal that it turns out to be because because of rising inflation, rising labor costs, cost of materials, dis- dis- dwindling discretionary income as everyday Chicagoans battle inflation and tourists stay away from Chicago and convention areas because of the crime. What do you think? Will this be the panacea that police and fire pensions need it to be? I think it'll be the parking meter deal of 2022. Really? How so? How so? It it will be a decision that the people who made it look back years from now with deep regret and, and will be on the hook for it. Uh, and, and no, it's not going to be a panacea. I mean, you know, 200 million into the pension funds is, is something we need, absolutely. Um, but it is being oversold. Um, this will not solve all of our problems. Uh, and, and we will still uh, remain struggling with uh, actuarial reality for our pension funds, as well as our operating budget, by the way. You know, we're, we're not out of the woods yet. We have some real challenges um, to our, our fiscal health as a city. Um, and, and this helps, but uh, it doesn't solve all our problems. Brandon, what do you think? Well, my concern is that all the revenue projections are based on a report prepared by Union Gaming, which just did a $690 million deal with, with, with Bally's last year. And, and so that we're, we're taking as gospel that report and their revenue projections. And the last time we took as gospel a report making a recommendation to approve something quickly. Alderman's right. It was the parking meter deal. And I got burned on that one. A whole bunch of us did. And I promised then this, that would never happen again. So I really do hope uh, a third party truly independent analysis is done to give us a truly accurate revenue projection. Otherwise, those are just a bunch of numbers and words on a page prepared by a consultant that many people believe has some conflicts here. And let me, before we let you go, Brendan, you are a uh, political operative, a former political operative. We've now seen two blue chip candidates, former Education Secretary Ani Duncan and Congressman Mike Quigley, take a pass on running for mayor, even though every poll shows that this is a winnable race against an unpopular incumbent. Why do you think that is? And does it mean that Lori Lightfoot is likely to be reelected, even though she is roughly 20% underwater. Well, the polling suggests that the mayor is politically vulnerable. That's for sure. Um, As you noted, a couple of high profile candidates took a pass on this race, you know, and honestly, I think it's because with each of, in each of their cases, Duncan and Quigley, um, they really did some introspection and tried to decide, Hey, am I really willing to, to give my life up for 24 seven for the next four years to save our city? And I think at the end of the, that, that internal discussion with themselves, they determined this wasn't the time for them. Um, but I do not think uh, the field of candidates is closed. Um, there's still a, a June Democratic primary for a lot of folks to get through. And then I think lots of people will start reevaluating what they want to do when it comes to the city races. Um, but uh, I, I don't think this is the, the end of the field. I think more entrants will come later. Um, and typically, the more serious candidates tend to come later in the campaign cycle. Um, so, no, I, I think that field is still developing. 
And Brian, will you join that field or, or will you take a pass thinking that the problems are intractable, the job is, is a mess, the powers are going to be diminished and forget it, I don't want it. Yeah, I mean, all those are factors that loom over the decision. Uh, and Alderman Riley uh, nailed it with the question that he asked. It's, a, it's an introspective process as well as a political process. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going through it. I'm, I'm considering that, you know, I, I have a family. I have a six-year-old child. Um, you know, it's a very hard job. Uh, it takes a toll on you personally. It takes a toll on your family. So it isn't something that you can enter, uh, you know, recklessly or cavalierly. It requires a lot of thought. Um, and and I'm, I'm giving it that thought. And at the end, I, I will make a decision, you know, in the next couple of weeks, um, you know, I, I will either seek reelection as an alderman or potentially put my hat in the ring for mayor, one of the two. Um, but either way, I, I want to be a part of the conversation going forward uh, about the problems that we have in this city and the potential solutions. I love this city. I'm a lifelong Chicagoan. I'm not going anywhere. So it's incumbent upon all of us to stand up and say what we have to offer to the citizens of Chicago at this time in, in our city's history um, when we're clearly in a state of crisis. Brandon, any chance you join? Join the race for mayor? Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's not my plan. Um, I'm, I'm actually focused on um, planning for my reelection campaign. Okay, best of luck to both of you and we'll see what happens in this uphill battle to try and block this casino site. Thank you very much for joining us and we will see you all next week. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Fran.